Wait a minute. Hear this. Growth Farm Production. This is the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonetti. And each week, we will go on a journey, a journey that will inspire you, motivate you, and help you be the very best you can be. Our focus will be on mindset, tactics, and the strategies that will enable you to create more opportunities and win more deals. Welcome to another episode of the Scalable Growth Podcast. As always, thank you for joining us. If you're a first-time listener, I just want to say thank you for coming and hearing our show. We hope you take away some value. And if you're a long-time listener, thank you for always showing up. It was great to see so many, receive so many messages after our 200th episode. So really just want to say thank you. I'm grateful for everybody that helps put our show out there. Salespeople often hate their CRM. Why? Because they are hard to use, difficult to customize and expensive to maintain. This means leads and opportunities don't get updated. Things get missed and sales can suffer. Insightly is the modern CRM that teams love. Easy to use, flexible enough to support your unique needs and scales with you as you grow. This helps you sell smarter, grow faster and build lasting customer relationships. Insightly is trusted by more than a million users worldwide. For more information, visit insightly.com forward slash get insightly. But this week, I'm really excited. And I say, I know I say this every week, but I tell you why I'm excited this week, because we are going to dive into the trenches. We're going to talk about a subject that's super important for sellers today. There's been a bit of chatter that discovery is dead and virtual selling and, you know, the buyer is in control. They don't want to deal with salespeople. But we're going to challenge that concept today and we're going to go into, into the weeds, both tactically and strategic, with somebody that's not just been there, done that, but he's leading a team across a transformation. Now, you might know the company he works for because this this guy, he's not that famous. His name's Daryl Prale, but he's he does some <laughs> sort of marketing stuff at this company called Agorapulse. But we have Carl Ortmans, the VP of sales. I think he's more like a chief revenue officer, but we'll, we'll, that's another conversation for another day, Carl. <laughs> Just want to say welcome to the show, Carl. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, uh, it's, I'm, I'm excited because we've uh, we've had a little bit of conversation around a whole bunch of things in, in the last, you know, a three, four month or whatever it's been. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for this. Yeah. And, and look, full disclosure to my audience, I've been doing a bit of work with, as you know, I've known <coughs> Daryl for a number of years. I know it's hard. It's hard to know that guy, but um, I'm, I've, <laughs> I've been working with Carl and he's, he's just started in an incredible role. Um, really transforming and taking the sales team from Agora Pulse into a new direction. Um, but Carl, mate, just before we get started, we'd love if you could just introduce yourself, how you got started in, in the world of selling and, and what you're doing now in your role. Yeah, happy to and uh, hello to everybody for, for joining in and uh, and listening in. <clears throat> so my, my selling career actually began in university as a beer rep, funnily <laughs> enough. So uh, I, yeah, in university, it sounds fun to say. I, I played football, um, and I also worked at the bar as a. I started as a as a bouncer, and I had my bartender's license. And I got in behind the bar, and then they said, "Hey, do you want to do some DJing?" And so next thing you know, I was doing Molson events, Molson Canadian and yep. Coors Lights, etc. Events, and I was on the mic, so I was able to really influence what was being said that night. And we did very, very well <laughs> in terms of sales. So that was my very first experience in the world of sales, and and it was 
probably one that taught me the most um, mm. about a few different topics. So back at the time when I was in university, it sounds so funny, back in the time when I was in university, <laughs> uh, it was right when um, Coors Light and Molson merged in yep. North America. So it was a big to do. And in order to to make the launch, they they uh, they did this Maxim Coors Light challenge where Maxim Magazine, quite a popular magazine at the time, yes. um, they were looking for the next um, model. And that was one of the things that I was I was tasked to do for my area when I was in university. And what happened is the head of brand for Coors Light uh, for sorry, the VP of brand for Coors Light um, actually came to my event. So it was a really interesting experience for me to learn about marketing and branding and sales and and the whole promotional side of what we were about to do. So that was my very first experience in sales. And then <clears throat> I went on to play football after university and then came home and I was like, all right, what am I going to do? <laughs> I thought in university I was going to be a teacher and then I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Um, but turns out you can't actually be a lawyer and play football <laughs> and then to play to play I couldn't get my education um, degree but anyways it's a different thing so then I I looked into like what do I like to do and, and it turned out that I went to I really like people and I started mm -hmm. to learn a little more and then I started selling consumer electronics with LG electronics uh, and that really went went quite good and then there was this company called Blackberry that started to come yeah. out of the blue and um, and then I, I I moved there for five years. And that was really where I started to learn the B2B skill set versus more on the consumer side. And then from there, I went to companies like Salesforce and, and helped help build Vidyard very really early on and uh, Level Jump, which was acquired by Salesforce. And um, anyways, and, and now and now here I, I've landed at, uh, at Agorapulse and have had roles in in SMB all the way through enterprise. And it's been uh, it's been a wild journey. Yeah, what a journey. And, and I think you know, it's, it's interesting your, I suppose, your, you, you know, your, your hero story or where you started um, into that that consumer space because I think there's a lot to be learned in consumer selling and selling. And, and when you say you were selling electronics in LG, you were selling directly to consumers, right? Yeah. So I was actually doing a lot of the uh, national account sales. Yeah. Okay. So I would go through and it would be directly into, um, uh, I would deal directly with with some of the consumers while I was in the store and an example that I could tell you, and I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, <laughs> but one of the things with LG is they had this, um, this technology, they called it in plane switching where you have, I think you, you have, you have a kid. So you yeah. went through this phase as kids. What do they do to the TV? Oh, they bloody draw on it. <laughs> They touch it, they bang on it. Hey, this is my face. So, uh, the, so what I realized at the time was our panel was better for families because of this in-plane switching. Because when you tapped on the screen, it didn't have these big white blotches and yeah. you weren't wrecking the cell structure. So I use that as a, hey, you have a family. Oh, yeah. What are you looking at? This is what we're looking at. Hey, have you ever considered LG? No, I haven't really. I said, okay, what are the, what are some of the things? You, and I was asking some questions. I said, you know, can you do this for me? Just tap on the screen. Mm. And the, you know, the parent went and tapped on the screen and go, what am I seeing? I said, well, tap on this one beside it. Now, it was a competitor. Yeah. I said, tap on that one. And all of a sudden, boom, you see the big white 
they yeah. go, what, what did I just do? And I said, well, that's the difference between the technologies because what you don't want is your kid to do that. And now you have this big blotch on the screen and now you got to replace your panel because that's one of the big differences. Yeah. And you know, I think why that is such a great way for us to get going in this conversation, because <laughs> what you fundamentally did was that's a discovery. That's the, that's the, the main premise of discovery is helping somebody recognize and learn something that they didn't know the unrecognized mm -hmm. need because that yeah. creates a whole lot of value so that's quite a powerful concept um just before we jump into this because I, I am very passionate about this i believe <laughs> that the heart of the sales process is, is is designed around it happens in discovery um there has been a lot of chatter in the, you know in the social circles about the buyer having more control they want to have less interaction with salespeople. Um, talk to us about your view on this. Do you see that discovery is no longer required in the sales process now? So uh, not to answer your question with a question, however, I think it'll generate the conversation. Who's discovery for? Mm. Well, I'm a believer that discovery is happening both ways. The buyer is doing discovery on the seller because they're also you know, doing their own due diligence because they're asking themselves questions, especially if it's an enterprise grade sale, mm -hmm. right? Um, if they've got to sponsor you into the organization, they don't want to sponsor somebody that could make them look bad in the first instance. So they're doing their initial due diligence. A hundred percent agree with that. And that's, that's my view on this is it's a mutual discovery. It's not a one way discovery. Mm -hmm. If you're doing one way discovery, well then how much, like, how are you creating a, a rapport with the customer? Because uh, in my own personal life, when I buy stuff, you know, um, I asked this actually to uh, one of the pavilion classes that I that I'm I'm part of today, and I said, "When's the last? What's the last time that you purchased a software or purchased something that was worth five, six, seven figures without talking to yeah. somebody?" And you just saw people mm -hmm. like, "Oh, huh?" And I said, "And my my the premise here is like let's use Zoom as an example, right?" When the pandemic hit, Zoom, the price for Zoom was somewhere between around $200, whatever the dollar value. Yep. But it was around $200 for the for the full year. Do you really need to talk to somebody? Because, you know, chances are you mm -hmm. kind of learned it. And it's not a much, it's not so much of an expense that you have to talk to somebody to help you solve the problem. You know what it's doing. It's a communication mm -hmm. tool that allows me to connect to people globally in a very simplistic way using the browser so that I'm able to stay connected in a time where I can't be connected. Yeah. The flip side of the coin is if you start thinking about um, going into purchasing a software, yes, there's going to be some where it's a low valued, uh, sorry, let me, let me rephrase that. The, the selling price is low enough where if you make a mistake, it's not something that yeah. it breaks your budget and you get hammered for. When you start to think about some of the technologies that are out there that might cost, you know, five, six, seven figures. Mm. I don't know the last time I've ever bought a software with that mm. selling price without ever talking to somebody because that's now yeah. it's me on the line. It's my budget. It could be a, a larger item for it, 
what I want to do though, is I want to validate that, yes, it's correct. What am I missing? What are the pieces that I'm going to understand or where are the gotchas? What do I need from my mm -hmm. team? How do I get this deployed? I have lots of questions and this is just me being naturally curious. And it even happened this week with a, a new technology that we, uh, I won't say the name, but a new technology that we just purchased. And I went into it in with more questions than they had for us. Mm -hmm. How do yeah. we do this? And where does that go? And what's the best practice here? And, and is there a, a two-way sync? Is there, an a, is there a REST API? Or do we have to have an active API? What is this? And I started asking more questions because I want to understand how it worked. Because at the end of the day, mm -hmm. I need to understand and we need to be confident that we made the right decision. So long story short is to say, I don't believe discovery is dead. I think it's very much alive. It's just the matter or the method that is going about it is likely not the right approach. Yeah. Because we have more information now than ever. You fill out a form, contact us, etc. I already have information mm. of you because you're telling you're expressing some level of interest. So now yeah. it's my due diligence to do what's my plan going into the conversation. Yeah, yeah. this is a really interesting talk track, right? Because and I'm of, I'm of the similar opinion. I believe that the disco discovery is dead when it's a one-way street, right? When the seller is, their only focus is on selling to the prospect, <laughs> dumping information because there's no value that's being created in that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and this is where what you did at LG was clearly show somebody and help them identify an unrecognized need. That's the learning and insight piece of discovery that I believe is, is, is absolutely alive, right? And as you mentioned, people buying something of significance, even consumers, when they're spending large amounts of coin, they are gonna have questions. There are gonna be concerns and fears. And you mentioned a particular word that I believe is, is fundamental in the buying journey is confidence is people need to arrive at a point of confidence. Um, talk to us a bit about, in your time, because you've had some pretty incredible roles, not just leading teams, but also running and facilitating the sales process from the seller's perspective. What's a framework that you've adopted that's consistently delivered a strong return from the discovery that you're, um, you know, during the discovery process. So the first thing, let me, let me, let me start this by saying it doesn't matter what framework you're using. Just have one and have a plan going in. I don't really care what it is. Yeah. And this is not a, this is not an advertisement for any of them out there. For me personally, you know, here's, uh, here's my take. Bant is dead. I can't stand Bant. It is one of them yeah, that yeah. I understand back in the day when you're getting super transactional sales, do you have a budget for this? Because the problem statement with Bant is where does it start? B is budget. Yeah. Guess what? I don't I don't know if I have budget. Like, yeah, may, maybe I have budget for this. Mm. But you know what? It's not the most important one in Bant. Yeah. Is there a need? <laughs> and is there? do you have, like, what's the timing for this? And do you have the authority? So I think I think the the nature of the way that the acronym is is wrong, because yeah. it again is one sided. It's it's I centric. Um, so personally, I, I've fallen into. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the the, the acronym Champ. Um, yeah. Right. Challenge, authority, money, prioritization. 
And in my own, the way that I, you know, success leaves clues and you steal shamelessly and make it your own. Uh, I've actually adopted that to call it champed. And the only thing that I add is the T is technical. Because especially when you get into software, there's going to be points where something comes up. As an example, when I was at uh, at Level Jump, we were built natively on Salesforce and it was an app exchange. And, and so if somebody said, hey, this is really great. Today I'm using a CRM that's not Salesforce. Hey, you know what? Luigi, as much as I appreciate this conversation, this isn't, I can't help you. <laughs> like yeah. I can't because of this reason. So I, I've, I've used that T uh, in, in that respect to understand what the technical, because at the end of the day, there's always IT that comes in play and you got to tee up that, that technical mm. side. So what the reason I like champ is CH is the challenge. And that's ultimately what you're trying to do. If you're talking to somebody, there's a challenge that you're trying to solve. And, yeah. and if you in framing it that way, hey, what's, you know, you're obviously going through a lot. What challenge are you really trying to solve right now or that's most important to you? So challenge is and you reframe it, right? Because I say, hey, what's what's one of the challenges with your current framework or your current setup or your current? Yeah, it's very different than do you have money for this? <laughs> and then A is authority. And the authority is more. It's not. Can you sign off on this? It's how many people mm. are working on solving this challenge? That's a great question. I'm typing this as you so as you. As the more it's good. <laughs> and the, and then M is yeah M is money right? Is it? And I the question I I'd like to ask is this a planned spend or not? Because there's sometimes where it, it's not. Um, and then you get into P, which is the prioritization, and the prioritization is. Exactly that. Where does this land on your priority scale? And then T is technical. So for example, what I would be most most focused on is CH's challenge. Can I help you? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to sell you something. Because guess what? If you're yeah. sold and it doesn't work, you're going to be like, well, this guy sucks. Yeah. Right? And then and then if you think yeah. about it, I, I've kind of used the, the example of, um, you know, for sake of discussion, if, if you were to get hurt and un, unfortunately you needed an ambulance to come and pick you up, you're in mm. so much pain. Do you care what the cost of the, of the ambulance is right then? No, you just get in because you need help. <laughs> right. So as I, as I look at it, like if you understand, yes, I have a challenge. There's multiple people working on this and it is the number one priority for me to solve. Guess what? Yep the money you'll find it. And, and you know, it's interesting that you say that because the biggest deals I've ever put together and I've been fortunate to work on two, two of my biggest, one was just under 10 mil, one was on just under 20 mil. They both didn't have allocation of budget, mm. right? If I went in with a qualification process early on trying to find out what's your budget, we wouldn't have got past the first meeting yeah. <laughs> because the business case that we had to put together was put up to the executive to then get budget allocation and create the budget. So, you know, I, I really like this framework that you've put together. I would love to just walk. And, and can I ask one question on that before you ask the next question? Yeah. If I can, sorry, I, I'm throwing off your flow, but this is my curiosity here. Um, <laughs> so when you've gone in that, in, in those situations, have you had to discuss price first or later? Well, price came in later because in the, in the, in the one that I'm thinking about, the first step was we just needed to validate the challenge so that 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 issue that they were they were having we needed to get a very clear understanding of that scope mm. right 
um, because it was a completely tailored, customized solution. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, it was funny because he became, well, he's become one of my best mates. He's the executive director of News Corporation. And this was, you know, years ago. And when I first started talking to him about the challenge, he pushed back, right? There was a lot of resistance um, because he didn't see a need at the time. And so there was a lot of tension when I was trying to understand what I saw as a challenge. He wasn't seeing it at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an interesting process. So obviously price wasn't even coming up because he wasn't thinking about, well, what's this going to cost me? He wasn't truly aligned that this problem was even worth investigating. So hmm. earlier in that discovery process, I had to take a step back and go, wow, what's my position here? How will I, how can I help him see that this problem is actually worth investigating? Because obviously in the role that I had at the time, I was, you know, working with a whole lot of organizations and I was seeing patterns, patterns that determine, yes, there's a problem that's causing them X. Yeah. And as I first entered that organization, I saw similar patterns, but he wasn't seeing it. Mm. Right. So when we, when I first got that resistance, I had to adapt and pivot because if I continued to push my narrative, he would have just stonewalled me and I probably wouldn't have progressed the opportunity any further. So I had to completely pivot and then show him to get him recognizing. So like exactly what you did with the LG, that's why I love it. I had to help him see the, that there was an unrecognized need Mm -hmm. in his business that then required further investigation. And, and even more so with that, as I'm hearing it is you showed that customer a value that they didn't see. And if you would have said, Hey, listen, Luigi, Mm. All I need is $350,000, whatever the dollar, whatever it is. If you lead, if you were to lead with the price and say, look, I see it as a $350,000 cost to you and it's going to return you X. It, as soon as you drop that dollar value, it doesn't matter. You're now in a defensive mode. I have to defend that versus Correct. if you understand the questions and the further up the ladder you go, you know, you have to be able to, if you can't present a value to the company, like you're talking to the CFO to get this approved, you're going to struggle right now. And, and understanding where that comes mm-hmm. in play um, is really important today because every dollar is being scrutinized. It's no like if, if this is a nice to have, yep. then I'm going to look at price. If this is a need to have because something's wrong, yep. you're going to define a value to me and you're going to help me solve a problem that I have to fix and you're going to lead with a value and the price will come the cost the cost almost doesn't become that much of an issue so it's it's just as a question yeah to to ask you and and uh, you know when you start to think about the world of discovery and the world that we're currently in is discovery dead mm. no it's just not done correctly Mm. So when you look at that, and I love this, right? And one of the statements that you know, success <laughs> leaves clues, and I love it. Every time I hear you say that, I'm like, man, I just love that, right? Because, because, but what's driving that? The clues is the level of curiosity, and I'd love your your take on this. So you're talking about no discovery is absolutely not dead; it's just done in the right way. So when we look at that, the right way, you talk about challenge now. I want I want to flip this a moment because it's it's when an inbound lead comes in, mm-hmm. there's a level of intent. So we've got their 
permission to go into that conversation and start to ask questions. But when we're proactively reaching out to prospects who might not be looking for what we have to sell at the moment, how do you get that, get them into the moment of thinking about the challenge so that you can earn the right yeah, to start I think the discovery? I think you said it right, is earning the right. So if you come inbound, as an example, if we're talking inbound, and you fill out a, a you know a contact us form as an example, right? Yeah. I'm a big believer of when you go into the conversation, show me that you understand my world a little bit. And and here's a fun challenge for for mm-hmm. anybody that is that's listening or to their team, because I hear constantly, I know my buyer so well. Oh, do you? Okay, here's a challenge. Write what their job description is and post it to LinkedIn to see if you can get any applicants. Yeah, what a cha- that's an interesting Seriously, challenge. Seriously, <laughs> if you know it that well, yeah. what does my world look like? How well do you know what I care about yeah. on the day-to-day or the things that I do in, in the world? If you know me and you know my role and you know how you help me, you can almost write their job description. And if you can write their job description and you know it that well and you can get people to click that apply button... Now, it's a bit of a hypothetical, but it, it'd be interesting to see if somebody can do it. Yeah. That changes that changes the context of the conversation. No, no, this is good because I think you are right. Like we keep getting told you've got to know your buyer. You've got to know your audience. As a sales professional, our job is to serve our audience, help them problem solve mm. and achieve, a, you know, achieve an outcome. But that is a pretty powerful question to reflect on because how well do you know them? And if you can write that, their job description out. Um, why is that important? That's a good question. So why is it important? The more that you understand what I do, the better you understand how to help me. Yep. And the better you understand how to help me, we're now having a very different conversation versus, hey, Luigi, I'd love to show, and this is one of the words, you see it all the time in the wording. And I think it's, I just, Personally, I don't like it. I'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You'd love it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, great. Thank you. Like, I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. But the, the comment here is <laughs> it, the, the more that you know what my world is, you know what I deal with, you know how to help me, you know the types of things that I care about that I'm going through, what I would have to the better you can align to that person because any at the end of the day, you as a seller are an outsider. You're never yeah. going to convince somebody as an outsider that, you know, this is absolutely the way. What you need to do is create a champion or a coach, mm-hmm. somebody internally that says, I believe in what you're telling me and I believe this because it's helping me do X, Y, and Z or it's helping me achieve an outcome. And now that internal person is your internal yeah. champion. They're in the room when you're not. And and so yeah. why I say that is if you can create that level of rapport and that ex- that relationship with somebody internally that's doing the selling on your behalf because you've helped open their eyes, you've helped them see a problem from a different angle, the context and the conversation changes. So now you have somebody supporting you versus constantly having somebody, you know, combat you and they can coach you too. say, Hey, by the way, when we go and meet with a CFO, when we do this, uh, the, the presentation, uh, for, for this, 
This is how they like to see the information. Oh, okay, great. Let us co-build this together. And it changes. And and the the yeah. thing you asked, and I, I wanted to to say this. One of the challenge and one of the issues I see with with discovery, and I'll say it this way, is I think too often discovery is looked at as a as a destination and not a journey. Right? Oh, I I did my discovery. Yeah. Really? Every time you talk to them, you're learning something mm-hmm. new. And every yeah, single time that you wrong. have a conversation, there's some other nugget. There's some other piece of information. Mm-hmm. So if the thought process is, well, I got an inbound lead. One, uh, the, the other issue I see is mm-hmm. you get an inbound lead or you get, a, you get the meeting set up. How much prep have you done to prepare for that? What notes did you read, et cetera? Did you have a plan going into it? You have to have a plan. You have to show up with a plan. Hey, Luigi, today's I'm I'm super I'm I'm super uh, excited to have this conversation today, and um, that we were able to find time. Hey, for a conversation yeah. today, are you comfortable if we do something like this for the first ten or fifteen minutes? I've got a number of questions, and I'm sure you've got a whole bunch of questions for me. But can we spend the first fifteen minutes of our conversation asking each other questions to try to understand the fit? Then from there, we'll in the next ten minutes, you know, we'll leave it as a you know, yeah. did this fit? Didn't this? In the last five minutes, it you know, we'll we'll determine what our next steps are together. Are you comfortable with that as a framework for today's conversation? Right, like have a plan going into Beautiful. it, because then if you tell somebody, "Hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking," and the the key question here is, is there anything you want to add, or is there something that you want to get out of the conversation today? Or one of my mm. favorites is quite literally this. Hey, what does today's meeting, what does a 10 out of 10 meeting look like for you today? If we accomplish what, what is that? What is, what are those things that say at the end of this conversation, this was a good use of my time? Yeah, that's gold. You know, I think you're touching on a lot of, there's so many nuggets of gold here. And we could probably <laughs> do a couple of episodes on some of that. We could pivot because I think what you're sharing a consultative selling technique, which is that check you know, is there anything else or what else would you like to take away or what does a 10 out of 10 you're, you're checking? I mean, going back a step as well around your coming prepared, I see so many salespeople when I do audits that they're not going to a meeting prepared. They've gotten, they haven't done a pre-call planner. And when I say pre-call planner, it's mm-hmm. even as simple as what's my agenda for today? Um, you know, what are some of the questions that I'm going to ask? And again, you, you've talked about something critical, right? Um, you've got to show them that you understand their challenges. And there was a really great survey that Daryl was part of in his days at VanillaSoft. They surveyed a whole lot of executive buyers and they actually said, if you're a salespeople that reach out, reaches out to us, it was overwhelming. 87% said, we expect you to know us and know our business and know our industry problems. Like don't come to a meeting and expect us to educate you on what you should already know. So what I'm hearing is, so Luigi, tell me about your business. That doesn't fly anymore. Yeah, what keeps you up at night? What keeps you up at night, Carl? Yeah. 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 Oh, so tell me a bit about what you guys do as a business. Like executives are already busy. Um, They don't have time to educate us, right? And and one of the things that it was was an interesting, uh, it was shared with me and, and I've never thought, I didn't think about it in this way, but now I think about it this way all the time is if you're preparing for a meeting, how much time do you spend preparing? Mm hmm. And, and so the rule that was given to me is the rule of half. Yeah. If you have a 30 minute meeting, you're, pre- you're preparing for 15. If you have an hour long meeting, you're preparing for 30 minutes. 
Yeah. Like make sure that you are prepared. You understand what's happening. And, and it's as a buyer, it's annoying, right? Yeah. When you join a conversation, you get on the call, there's no, com- there's no agenda. What the hell are we doing today? I don't know if I'm allowed to say yeah. that. Sorry if I've offended <laughs> That's anybody. I swear all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing today? Yeah. What are we, what are we trying to accomplish? And then when they get into like very generic questions, my question's like, did you not talk to the person that I've already talked to? Yeah. Like this is a build upon. And that's, I think that's the the thing I would say is every conversation is a build upon. Yeah. Right? I'm going to build upon the last meeting or the last conversation. I'm going to build on to, because ultimately, again, at the end of the day, we're trying to solve problems all day, every yeah. day. And if, if you can't help me solve a problem, now you're just flooding my inbox and Correct. getting the, any thoughts on this? Delete. Oh. And, but, but, you know, just going back a step on the preparation piece, um, and I'm a massive, and, and you know this, I'm a massive believer in the preparation piece, right? Especially if we've, if we've, if we've done the hard work in a prospecting, if we're reaching out, we've done the hard work and we've got the meeting, we want to make sure that we show them why they've given time. We we mm. get because they need to see value in that time that they're giving. Because once they give that time, it's gone. And I take it back to um, early in my career. Uh, I was when I started really hunting enterprise grade deals. I would actually come up with a one page executive summary on the opportunities I was engaging with. And there was a gentleman called Dave Munro. I loved it. He became a bit of a mentor of mine. He was executive director at the time of a really large steel um, listed company. And I'll never forget the day I went in there with my my executive summary and he saw his name on there and he actually peeked over the table back in the day when we did. Yeah, he yeah, said, yeah. What's that? And I said, well, this is what I've prepared. And he looked, he goes, do you mind if I have a look? And I showed him, he's like, and then in the other, because I had my little fold, you know, the manila folder. Yeah. Um, and then in the back, it had printouts of their ASX reports and I highlighted things because it was all publicly available, right? Yeah. And he was like, this is amazing. This is great. And we just hit it off. Yeah. And, and then he started coaching me on how do I progress this, et cetera. But that was the big aha moment I had, Carl, of the power of preparation. I was like, wow. They've, and people, the buyer's respecting that. And they know when you come prepared versus when you're not prepared. So I think – for me, that's a massive critical success factor of running an effective discovery. Hey, I know we're almost running out of time, but holy cow, that went fast. Mate, we've got to, <laughs> we've got to, we've got to do part B, and we might even get you to do. I know that we've spoken about doing a community session, but um, hey, what's one thing? Like, if 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 you're listening to this, and if you know, there's a lot of takeaways: the champ model, the preparation, earning the right, the consultative selling. But what's the one must do? in every discovery call have a plan i i I can't i don't think i can re-emphasize that enough have a plan because if you go in with a plan and you tell the other person Mm -hmm. on the 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 other team and you define what that plan is together yeah you're you know that's going to change the way that you communicate as a as a group Mm -hmm. and and especially uh, maybe there's a second nugget of this and the second one is remember who discovery is for yeah. It's not all, it's not about you. And I, I've, I've, uh, I think I talked to you about this earlier, but I, I had this conversation. I've, I've done a, uh, a presentation for, 
a different group called breadcrumbs and breadcrumbs. anyways i talked about i talked about discovery in the best the best people at discovery are doctors yeah so i guess i'll give you a couple and i'll give i'll say two nuggets sorry i'm maybe there's too much here one is have a plan and, and yep. then the second one is if you're trying to do discovery as much as humanly possible remove the why questions hmm. right remove the why because if if i just use the example you know hey luigi why did you wear that shirt today how do you receive that question yeah i mean well, i can't tell you why <laughs> yeah or if i it, it, let me rephrase it similar similar question luigi that's a great shirt how Thanks. come you chose that one today you know because i'm always wearing black and I just wanted to make sure I stand out on my camera today. See, it's it's the very much the same question. Why yeah. questions are accusational by nature? Because as soon mm. as I ask you the question, if you if you were to watch this back or if you watch your body language, you got tense and you mm. you sort of like, what's wrong? In in your head, yeah. I'm guessing it went through like, what's wrong with my shirt? Do you not like it? Why are you asking me about my shirt? What what does it not look good? Like what is what the hell are you asking me? But then yeah. if I flip it and say that's a great shirt, how come? What and how questions create conversation. Yeah. Why absolutely. questions are immediately, well, I don't want to say because there's there's a time and place, early discovery. Hey, what is it that this means? How are you doing this today? How would you do yeah. it? If you were to do it like that, what might that look like? Mm. Hey, why are we talking? Why are you looking for us? Why are you trying to solve this problem? Yeah, and I, I, I'm completely aligned with that. That's why I use why very deep in that journey. After we've gone through, you know, when, when especially for an inbound, I always ask, what's motivated you to inquire with us? Or what's mm. happened in your business for this to become a priority for you, right? Um, because I need to understand the, the why before they buy, but I can't ask the why because this, I don't know. I'm, so I, I actually love, I love that, that. I've written it down. Why is an accusation of one by nature? But, but Carl, we literally could be talking for hours here. So I think we're going to have to do a... <laughs> I follow up. We get you to run that session that you ran for breadcrumbs for our community. But before we wrap up, yeah, where's the best place for our listeners to find you? And we'll make sure we put that in the show notes. I, I guess it would probably be in with Agora Pulse and, and social selling. <laughs> it would be it would be on LinkedIn, right? Uh, uh, I'm probably yeah. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, uh, Carl Ortman's is my is my LinkedIn handle, so it makes it as super simple as that. And as we wrap up. There's a major reason why Agora Pulse is going to explode. And it's not because of Daryl Prale. You're hearing this <laughs> firsthand. It's because of Carl. And, and yes, I know during a recent Slack conversation I had with Daryl, he said, are we breaking up? And I said, yes, we are, Daryl. <laughs> I have now got a crush on Carl. So, <laughs> oh, that's, no, no. I, I'm, only, I'm only a piece of, of the full pie. It's, it is nothing... <laughs> Uh, if I'm if I'm helpful and to see it, then that's amazing. Yeah. But as we all know, revenue is a team sport; it's not an individual. And that's not, and and I love the hum, you know, the humility behind that. But I just want to say, Carl, thank you very much for showing up, um, giving our audience some incredible content, some incredible thoughts to think about how they can run their discovery a little bit differently. I'm going to try very hard to get you to run a community session um, for our community and for our listeners. Um, please do. Check out our upcoming community events. We've got some really good ones around digital marketing. We've got James Muir for the perfect close. We've got Morgan Ingram running one around content marketing and Jeff Bajork on why you need to sell with authenticity. So we've got a lot of great events coming up. 
If you haven't already joined, click the link in the show notes. Carl, just want to say I appreciate you, mate, and appreciate our friendship. Hey, you too. This has been, it's been fun. If I could, I'd be happy to do it again. Thanks, mate. Thanks, sir. See you.